Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com. It's Tuesday, August 22nd. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. It's been more than 100 years since three black men were lynched in the small southwest Missouri town of Pierce City. A lack of evidence directed people towards suspecting African-Americans, and the town was whipped up into a frenzy over the next uh, 35 hours. A small town newspaper owner is trying to keep their memory alive. We will have that story in just a few minutes. The heat wave continues with temperatures today approaching 100, but it could feel more like at least 112. The National Weather Service has an excessive heat warning in effect until later this week for St. Louis, Quincy, and Rolla. For many, this heat comes as schools open for the academic year. And students will be at Bush Middle School in St. Louis today after they shared a building on yesterday's initial day of classes because of a power outage during the heat. Officials moved students to Nottingham Community Access and Jobs Training High School to keep them safe. George Sells is a spokesperson for St. Louis Public Schools. When you're dealing with dangerous heat like we are anticipating throughout the week, and hopefully maybe the cloud cover has given us a little bit of a break today compared to what we were expecting, but it's one of those things where you have to be thinking of the safety uh, and the comfort of our students and staff. St. Louis and other districts are taking precautions to keep students and staff safe during this week's heat, including bringing extra bottled water into all buildings. Many children in the region made it through yesterday's temperatures to mark the beginning of the academic year. St. Louis Public Radio's Kate Grumke takes us to Nance Elementary School's first day in the northern tip of St. Louis. Regina Lewis's students are lined up in the cafeteria. You can't hear her class. They're doing what Lewis calls hug and a hush. Hug and a hug. They wrap one arm around themselves and hold a finger to their lips walking to their new first grade classroom. Good morning. Lewis spent more than 20 years substituting with St. Louis Public Schools. Now she's starting her second school year as a fully certified teacher. Despite 25 years in classrooms, Lewis still gets nervous for the first day. Believe it or not, teachers have first day jitters. Lewis says the best moment of the day is always when new students start to trust her and lose that first day fear. I'm Kate Grumke. St. Louis Public Radio. A judge will hear arguments this week on whether a law barring gender-affirming care for transgender minors in Missouri should go into effect later this month. The bill passed this year bars most transgender minors from accessing puberty blockers or hormone therapy. Opponents say it violates state constitutional guarantees of equal protection. Supporters, like Republican Senator Mike Moon of Ash Grove, have said the law should be allowed to go into effect next Monday. So this is just giving a pause so these kids can grow up to reach the age of majority. And then if they want to do it, it's up to them. The hearing on that gender-affirming care bill is expected to last most of the week. The only connection for vehicles to an island in the middle of the Mississippi River is in jeopardy. Madison County farmers are closely watching the state of the old Chain of Rocks Canal Bridge. St. Louis Public Radio's Will Bauer reports. The canal bridge is owned by the city of Madison. The town of 3,000 can't afford $4 million in Band-Aid fixes or $26 to $28 million in full repairs. The city dropped the aging bridge's weight limit from 23 tons to 7 last year. 
That means no large equipment, like tractors or combines, can cross to the island. For Collinsville farmer Craig Keller, he's had to find expensive alternatives. Get me over the bridge. You political guys do what you gotta do. Give me access to what I rightfully had that they took away from me. Keller farms 300 acres on the island. He and a family of Granite City farmers have sued the city, alleging its negligence led to the bridge's current state. In Madison, I'm Will Bauer, St. Louis Public Radio. Illinois has the country's second largest collection of Native American remains that have not been returned to their nations of origin. Governor J.B. Pritzker has signed a bill to help with repatriation. Institutions are required to notify and consult with tribal nations when remains are discovered. Sarah O'Donnell works in the Osage Nation's Historic Preservation Office. In past generations of archaeologists, historians, and folks who were writing the history and informing decisions about things like burial laws, it was advantageous to remove modern tribes' connection to their cultural resources. O'Donnell says she hopes the new law will put the state on a better path. A former newspaper reporter in Minette, Missouri, is continuing his effort to make sure no one forgets about the three black men who were lynched in Pierce City in the southwest part of the state. A candlelight vigil was held over the weekend, and a surprise guest showed up. Michelle Skaliski reports. Pierce City is a town of about 1,277 people. It once had a sizable African-American population. Murray Bischoff, a writer and longtime reporter for the Monette Times, says the black residents traced their roots to Judah Godley, who was brought to the area as a slave in 1848, along with her five children, the property of Mary Godley Jameson and her husband Achilles. But that all changed on August 19, 1901. Bischoff says a young woman, 24-year-old Gisela Wild, was assaulted and murdered the day before in a culvert under railroad tracks in Pierce City, and black men were blamed. A lack of evidence directed people towards suspecting African Americans, and the town was whipped up into a frenzy over the next uh, 35 hours and uh, ultimately resulted in, in, in a five-hour riot uh, against people who had lived here since the earliest days of the town. Town residents formed a mob and they were joined by many more people who had heard the news of the murder and who departed from trains going through Pierce City. When the night of August 19, 1901 was over, three black men were dead. 32-year-old Will Godley, who was pushed from a second-story balcony over the entrance of the Hotel Lawrence at Commercial and Walnut. When he went over the railing, other men on the ground below fired multiple bullets into him. Two other black men, Pete Hampton, who was believed to be in his 30s, and 70-year-old French Godley were killed when white men fired into a house and then burned it down. Other black-owned homes were burned that night as well. Pierce City's black residents fled the city, Bischoff says, never to return. This was the one place where they actually forced an established black community to leave. There were five lynchings in southwest Missouri in a period of 12 years. Bischoff says they largely caused the black community to abandon the area. Bischoff first began going to the spot at Commercial in Walnut where Will Godley was killed and lighting a candle about 30 years ago. In 2001, for the centennial of the riot, he held a public presentation. He says it's important to remind people about the lynching so they can try to understand why it happened and so they can do better. Selwyn Jones, the uncle of George Floyd, who was killed by a Minneapolis police officer in May of 20. 
2020, made a surprise appearance in Pierce City on Saturday. Jones says his nephew's death wasn't in vain. Because of it, he now travels the country talking to people about Floyd's murder and about race relations, things that are often uncomfortable to talk about. He says he wanted to be at the vigil to try to make a difference. You know, there's a lot of people that that have trauma and disarray uh, from the colors of one's skin, from their religion. And we just set out on the road to show people we're all the same. We're absolutely all the same. We are of the human race. And we can combat this because for three days, everybody in the world, with the exception of a couple places, stood up and hollered my big sister's baby boy's name. You know, because it made everybody open their eyes and say, wow, just like Mr. Murray's opening eyes right here. So that's the reason why I'm here. So friends, thank you for coming and let us hold our candles in a moment of silence and remembrance for those who have gone before us, those who fell on this night and those whose memory we cherish by coming together to hear their story. That's reporter Michelle Skaliski from member station KSMU. The Gateway is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis, music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.